You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Green-Smith, episode 442. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP442. Oh, well, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing, or your partner asks what's bothering you, and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Hey, hey, pod people. Amy here, and we are rounding out our mini-series on attracting and manifesting intimate partnerships. And if you've caught any bit of this series, you'll know that a lot of the things that we've discussed can actually be layered on top of all kinds of relationships. So please don't tune out. We're going to be talking about intimacy today. And intimacy is one of those things that almost always is viewed through the lens of romantic partnership. But please don't tune out because I'm going to give a call to our guest today who talks about intimacy in a much more broad context. And I think it can be really helpful, especially for those of you who tend to keep your walls up inside of relationship. And we're going to have sort of a newer definition of what intimacy even is. So I knew for sure I needed to call up an expert on the topic, one of my dear friends. Her name is Alana Pratt. I'm hoping that I'm able to catch her. But in case we do, I want to give you a little bit of a rundown of what to expect. She and I have been friends for years, so I knew she would be the perfect person for us to dial up today. So she is an intimacy expert, a global media personality, and go-to authority for those who have suffered heartbreak and are ready to live unapologetically and attract an open-hearted, ideal relationship. She has been chosen as an icon of influence. She has been a columnist for The Good Men project, and you've also probably seen her writings or heard her or seen her being featured on Huffington Post, People Magazine, Forbes, CBS, ABC, Fox, and so many more. She also has this really incredible partnering app. She's not calling it a dating app because she, you know, feels as though a lot of dating apps set you up to continue to be single so that you need the fucking app. So her whole concept is around becoming the one to yourself, finding the one, and then actually keeping the one. So you'll definitely have to check that out. We'll put a link to that in the show notes for sure. But let's dig in and give a call to Alana Pratt and see if we can learn a few more little nuggets about intimacy. Hello. Alana, it's Amy. How are you, friend? 
Oh my God. I'm great. I just plugged in my vibrator. It died. <laughs> Don't you hate that when you're just about to climax and then it dies. So I just plugged it in. So I've got, I've got some time and while it's, um, well, it's juicing up. So I have to stay juicy. So what a great woman to have keep my juicy just going with you. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's such a, okay. So funny little story. I have had this happen to me far too many times. So I shit you not, I have about three of the exact same ones that are backups (laughs) that are always charged. So I can, (laughs) I feel you. I have had that happen. No, and, but I got ahead of it. They're in different areas of the house. One's over by the meditation chair and one's (laughs) over by the workout room. And so you're right. I should consolidate. So thank you for the tip. Oh my gosh. Well, that is such a great start to this conversation. Of course I, so I'm hanging out here with the audience and we've been talking about a lot of stuff with intimacy and communication and relationships and dating and all sorts of different things. Mm. And I thought I've got to call up Alana and see if she can share some insight around this whole intimacy concept. So Mm. you have a, you have a little bit of time that we can chat. Okay. I do. Cool. So I would love to just kind of start off with the concept of intimacy, because I think it gets thrown around a lot and we naturally assume that we're talking about sexual intimacy or uh, a romantic partner, but talk to me about how you describe intimacy, even in a broader sense. Yeah. When I started coaching 20 years ago, it started off as like a life coach. Then I I moved more into like relationship coaching, was really careful not to call myself like a marriage coach because I've had my two divorces, right? Probably not a good title, but what, what was happening the whole time and why I chose to call myself an intimacy expert or coach was that it all seemed to come down to an inability. We could call it to be ourselves, an inability to sit in discomfort, an inability to stay connected to another when you felt rejected. Like there's this inability to just be and with you and live with your heart open when things didn't go according to plan. And I hadn't used the word intimacy yet, but as I learned more about vulnerability, mm-hmm. I learned more about transparency. I learned about the bravery it takes to really be honest with ourself. The, the beautiful blessing of slowing down. I didn't even know I had an inside. Like I didn't even know I had an inside. I was running so fast on the outside, trying to be safe, look good, do it right. That when I slowed down and I started to feel, because all I would do before is think, When I started to feel, I did not like how I felt. And so I popped back up into my head, got back on Facebook, had another glass of wine, did the fakey fake thing. And and I was miserable. And I noticed there was two divorces and I was the one in common. And so as I started to get to know myself and come home to myself, i.e. find the little one inside who was terrified and soothe her, find the little one inside who was ashamed and like forgive her and uh, have compassion for her. Find the one inside who wanted to be big and bold and fully self-expressed, but who was terrified to be rejected again and believe in her. Like I started to create these relationships on the inside and I learned, oh my God, I'm, I'm developing an intimate, real, raw, honest, vulnerable, transparent relationship with myself. Intimacy into me, I see. Wow, I don't have to keep fixing and rejecting and you know upgrading myself. Like I don't need to be a perpetual project. What if I'm enough already? What's that going to take to actually feel enough even though I'm still single, 
even though, uh, you know, at, at a period in my life, I was in a tremendous amount of debt from like legal battles, even though all these things didn't line up, I'm not going to wait around to love myself. I'm not going to wait around to be enough. What's that going to take? And I discovered that's really, in my opinion, the definition of, of true intimacy is that I can keep my heart open to myself in the face of anything. And then this amazing thing happened. The more I practiced, I could keep my heart open to life, the divine. I could start to be in partnership with God, goddess, universe. Oh my God. And then I didn't have to do everything myself. Wow. And then isn't that interesting as I mapped that onto listening to my son, instead of him coming towards me and complaining about something and me fixing him, I would, I would open, drop in and just go, wow, tell me more. That sounds mm-hmm. like it sucks. And we had greater connection. Mm-hmm. And then with clients, instead of trying to be good enough to, you should coach with me because I'm good enough. Like right. all that sticky bullshit, they teach you how to sell. I'm like, no, why don't you just be with this person? And if it's meant to be, it will. And if it's not, it won't. So I had intimacy, even in quote unquote, things like sales that dissolved into just connect. And then of course, when you bring that into the bedroom or into dating or into communication, that thing they do, instead of pretending you're okay, faking an orgasm or saying, yeah, I love to run. You fucking hate running, right? Like you can just go, Hey, open your heart, drop in and be real. And the quality of my relationships increased. And then I began to teach this and people got better results with the kids. They lost 10 pounds without even trying because they had an intimate relationship with their body that was healthy as opposed to looking in the mirror and criticizing the shit out of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's, you could even have intimacy with money, right? Like when you look at your bank account, where have you been lately? Stupid money. Well, why would money want to come to your party? Right. right? If you talk to it, I suppose. So, hi, I'm so glad you're here. <gasps> Can you, would you like me to learn how to invest you better or, or manage you better or budget you better or save you better? <gasps> oh, you feel honored and respected and you appreciate in my account. Like you grow because you feel appreciated everything is an intimate relationship. And while we can't control shit on the outside, we can control, choose to open our heart or close our heart. That's our choice. Nobody can take that choice away from us. Right. And it, it's empowering. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not anywhere near perfect, never will be, but I, man, I've, I'm the most confident, vulnerable, peaceful, and brave I've ever been. Yeah. That's so, uh, that's so good to hear. And for those creeping on our conversation right now, we've, we've Mm. known each other for probably well over a decade now. And I kind of swooped in and claimed you as a friend. (laughs) I was like, um, we're going to be friends and you don't really have a choice. (laughs) Um, and fortunately that, that worked out well, I have a good picker, so that's good. Um, but there, there are two things that you, we're alluding to that I think warrants a deeper dive. One is our, our pull to fix instead of feel Mm -hmm. that we are not encouraged in our society and not encouraged in many of our families of origin to sit with emotions and intimacy, genuine intimacy requires emotional acuity requires Mm -hmm. emotional intelligence. And that is a vocabulary that I think is really, really void and missing in our society. But also at the same time, I think people are hungry for it. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I will 
instruct people around is to kind of notice those moments when you're pulled to fix, like you were talking about with your son, like, okay, I want to remedy that. And in those moments, step into an acknowledgement of the feeling instead. And, and one of the ways to do that is to actually own the fact that you want to fix it. So to say to a partner, to a friend, whoever, I, right now, my first instinct is to give you advice. My first instinct is to tell you what to do. And I doubt that that's helpful for you. And then asking genuinely, how can I be supportive or what do you need from me? Or genuinely just listening, but acknowledging within yourself, what am I actually feeling in this moment? Cause there's usually something that's of discomfort that we don't have the skill set to sit with. No one's ever taught us that we're going to survive it. So we're like, uh, abort mission, fix it, get to, get to safer ground. Right. But you know, and I know you're a huge advocate for this too, that the only way out is through. And that's what nobody ever tells us is you're not going to crush under the weight of your emotions. Are there different levels of them? Absolutely. Are there times when it takes you to the ground? Absolutely. But they're transient. You will come on the other side of it. You know, uh, if you, if you do that work of being with it. And I'm curious if you see that a lot, like that, that pull to fix versus feel. Oh, left, right, and center all the time. Clients come to me. They're not even in their body. They have been so beaten down by life, foster parents, being cheated on bankruptcy, whatever it is. Why would anybody want to stay in their body and feel what that's like if they haven't been taught how to integrate a feeling into a higher vibrational empowered state. Nobody taught me how to do that. Nobody's taught them how to do that. So of course we don't want to be in our body. So we leave our body and we spin in our head and we try to strategize our way through life to be safe. And it's a terrifying, exhausting, adrenal fatiguing way to be. And the vibration is so low. All we have the capacity to attract romantically or professionally or financially or anywhere is that same low vibration. So we just get to be right about it. See, they're an asshole too. Can't trust them either. Never could, but, and then the stories get thicker. And so, yeah, I see it all the time. I remember back, um, Amy, when I was, I think it was about five and I was in the living room dancing to uh, Jesus Christ, superstar, like around the little Ottoman, like a spinning fast around the Ottoman, like a little Sufi dancer. And then boom, my dad punched a hole through the wall. Oh my gosh. And of course, at five years old, I didn't say, I can't trust men, but that was the experience. Sure. Like you're supposed to be my protector. I'm now terrified of you. Vagina clench, you know, and heart shut down and freak. And you don't get to leave and move out. You're five. Mm -hmm. So I chose in that moment to fix. Yeah. And not feel and fix just like what you were just saying. And I am a seer. I am a healer. I am. That's my genius, my purpose, like that's how I'm wired. So I actually can give my power away, pretzel myself into whatever they need to calm them down so that I'm safe. And that got wired into me quite young, happened several times as I grew up. So that's just how one does life. You don't be in your body. You stay out three steps ahead to be safe. And you do your little magic power, people pleasing, saying yes, when you mean no, whatever it looks like to make them on the outside calm so that you on the inside are safe and some version of enough. Like, so that's how I was wired. And I'm talking all the way to like my very, very last relationship. First time he blew 
And I'd never even experienced it this intensely, which is to me, the way the universe is like, can we finally get it? Like, if you don't get the lesson, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. That's right. And I always do my work and I'm a perpetual student as well. So I have improved, but not healed. So there it was, uh, not only verbal abuse, but physical. And I was so shocked, went right back PTSD into that little five-year-old central nervous system, went right into fixing. Now the brain of an Ivy league grad come laude grad, like I am would say, get your ass out of that. But that's not what was running the show. Yeah. It was that old version that really needed that next level of uh, therapy, um, trauma, uh, counseling, trauma release, whatever it is that I require. That's the lesson I needed to go back there and go, okay. In those moments when a lover a client, a stranger, doesn't matter who can even be your own child. If anybody is violent against you, no bueno, Yep, not okay. And the deep work of being able to go, okay, feel the worst feeling you've ever known how to feel. Don't fix yourself or them and exit. This is like the next level of integration for myself personally to be really grateful. I have the tools. I have the coaches. I have the counselors to go back to that moment and, and redo it all the way. Cause if you only go and feel a feeling at nine out of 10, it actually grows it, not uh, resolves it. That's why a lot of people I'm sure come to you after years of therapy and talking about it. And they're worse than when they started, Mm -hmm. because if you don't, and this is quantum psychology, one of the recent um, certifications I've, I've gone through is, is image thought emotion and body sensation, all four elements must be matched and duplicated for that original emotional trigger or trauma to literally like alchemy be processed into the lesson it was meant to give us in the first place that we didn't get when we were five, 15, 55, whatever age. Right. And so I would go back to that moment. I've gone back to that moment with my dad tons of times in my mind's eye, but I didn't fully feel it So I couldn't fully integrate it or heal it. But this last relationship was like, okay, you, you need to roll up your sleeves and go deeper girl, because this is enough of this. And by doing the deeper work and feeling and not fixing him or me and taking full ownership of my own stuff, not condoning his behavior, but bless you and release you. Thank you. Cause you flushed up something in me that needed to be healed. And if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be dealing with it. I'd still be like, spiritually bypassing, not even knowing I was spiritually bypassing. Right. So gratitude, bless you, release you and do your inner work, Alana. And I've been able to integrate it. I mean, I don't know if I'm all the way there, but I'm a hell of a lot farther than I've ever been. And I know that the results on the outside reflect the shifts on the inside. And so when my dad, uh, who I rarely talk to, who testified against me in the custody battle, not a great relationship, right? The one who did the punch when I was five through the wall. Um, he called for my birthday and he said, so how's your relationship? I said, well, well, we broke up. He goes, well, what happened? And this was like a choice point, Amy. Yes. Do I not tell him because he'll probably going on the past, reject me, change the subject, say it was my fault, blame it. Like, I don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. And yet I'd done so much work about not needing to take responsibility for the angry man. Mm-hmm. not needing to fix the angry man, not making it my fault that the man was angry. All that work I had just done healing from my past relationship. 
I was like, you know what? I don't need to take responsibility for my dad's reaction or response. I'm just going to be me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to choose to be vulnerable and transparent. I'm going to choose to welcome an intimate connection with my father. And if it goes well, great. And if it doesn't, I can always hang up the phone. I'm Mm -hmm. a sovereign being. It's okay. But no trying to get daddy's love. No squelching your light to try to get his approval. Just be your friggin' self. And so I told my dad what happened. And I was stunned, but he didn't fix me. He didn't change the subject. He listened. He said, tell me more. Oh my God. And I had never in 52 years of my life ever experienced safety in my dad's presence, but I did. And I'm clear it's because my own internal masculine and feminine, all that internal work I did to hear myself, honor myself, listen to myself, be with myself, acknowledge myself, validate myself, feel with myself, all of that inner exhale got holographically projected into that dynamic with my dad. And we had a beautiful conversation. I said, dad, I feel so safe right now. Thank you. Your presence, just your presence, dad is healing. And he said, you know, Alana, and he was kind of funny, maybe marriage isn't for you. So something there's a, there's so many things that I want to say about this. One is for folks listening there's such a distinction here between genuinely being ready to release your dad's response. I think that that takes so much work, interpersonal work to get to that place where you you say, I'm going to show up vulnerably and I might get met with something that I don't want to hear. And I'm okay with that. I don't yeah. think that a lot of people are are necessarily in that place at the beginning. Yeah. So it's also equally as self-loving to say, you are not the ears that I can speak my truth into. You are not ears that can hear me. And that can also be super powerful. And I think there's so many things about this story that I think are are really important to underline. And thank you for just exemplifying intimacy, exemplifying vulnerability by sharing this so openly. But one of the, one of the things that stood out for me was the notion of the defense mechanism and how so many of us grow up to be all these different monikers. I'm an empath. I'm highly sensitive person. I am a people pleaser. I'm a chronic worrier. And a lot of those things that we've identified as stem from some sort of behavioral tactic that we had to employ to keep ourselves safe. So, you know, we don't develop the, the conscious or the um, critical factor of the mind till about the age of eight. Like you don't really start to even question or discern or, uh, really look at, is this something that I want to adopt or not as a thought process? We don't critically approach anything. So in hypnotherapy, we, we basically call that being suggestible. So when we get somebody in a hypnotic trance or space or slow down the brainwaves to be in hypnosis, really all we're doing is allowing the susceptibility to the subconscious mind. If you are that young, you're just suggestible to every single message that comes in. There's yeah. not any sort of element to discern 
do I want to adopt this or not? And then what I am assuming both you and I see many years, decades later are people going, okay, this defense mechanism of always making sure my partner's okay or people pleasing or taking on everyone else's emotions is no longer fucking working. Yep. I can no longer keep shape shifting. It's, it's costing me far, far too much. Yes. And there, there was something else that you were talking about a little bit earlier that I think we really need to explore. And that is the connection between vulnerability and intimacy. Mm. I think that there are so many folks who would openly say, I crave intimacy, at Mm. least in a romantic partnership. Yeah. I want to be viscerally, emotionally connected to another person. Yeah. And this is what I've kind of always surmised and tell me where you fall with this. I have always felt like there is a direct equivalent of how vulnerable you are willing to be in a relationship with how much intimacy you get to experience in that relationship. It's the same. And so what we do is we go, I want intimacy and I'm not willing to be vulnerable and maybe I will be, but you go first, you start. (laughs) And I'm just going to leave with my walls up and all my trauma and all my baggage. And, but I really want intimacy. It's one of those real push pulls of like, I want that, but also I have all this stuff that tells me that's not safe. And I think what's really important to underline here is whenever I've talked about vulnerability, it's not for just a fucking skill set or some arbitrary personal development thing. It's in service, in service of actually getting that intimacy that you crave. And it doesn't mean that you're vulnerable with just anyone. That's why I was yeah. you know, kind of talking about the situation with your father, that there are plenty of folks in my life that they don't get that vulnerable part of me. Nope. They haven't, they haven't earned right. it. Yeah. Nor do they have the capacity or do I want to spend my time that way? Right. Like, so there can be all these different facets and and nuance. So I'm curious, how do you address or talk about this dance between vulnerability and intimacy? You're totally accurate in my opinion that who we be is what we get. So if we don't have a vulnerable relationship with ourselves, if we're not intimate with ourselves. If we still have all these walls up, as you were saying, there's no vibrational scientific hope in hell that you can manifest that on the outside. You can't, it's impossible. Don't even try. It's not going to work, which is why it's so important first, I believe to go within and be able to have this intimate relationship with yourself, be vulnerable with yourself because you're right. Like we don't want to open until we're quote unquote safe. Well, note to self life is uncertain. Always has been, always will be. I know it's a lot. It feels a lot more uncertain right now with all the world uh, issues going on, but it's always been uncertain. You've never been able to control a person or a circumstance. We have no clue if Zoom is going to go out in one minute. <laughs> right? right? We have no clue about what the hell is going to happen. But here's what we do have control of, who we're going to be in the face of it, who we're going to be in the face of it. I remember back when I was 16, Amy, and I was out at the lake. And it was right before James and Carleen were going to come for the weekend. They were a couple and they were my best friends. And I don't know why, but I was drawn almost like these forces sat my ass down on the steps right before it was time for them to arrive. And only Carleen arrived and she ran down the stairs. I was down in the cabin on the deck 
And she said, James is dead. And they, they played jokes on me all the time. I mean, that would be like par for the course. But then I saw up on the road, it was a highway actually right beside our cabin. I saw her parents arrive and their heads were down. I never even really talked to her parents ever. Oh my God. This was serious. This was real. And I ran into the cabin to tell my mom and she dropped everything in her hands. And then I, I don't even remember the next step. All I know is I was on the highway running down the yellow line, screaming, looking at the top of the trees. No, no. And if I could just keep screaming, it wouldn't be real. And then everything got quite quiet. And I heard a voice in the back and I turned around and it was my dad and he was walking down the yellow line. And it was like this moment outside of time. There was no more cars on the, on the highway. And he took my shoulders and he shook me and he goes, look, if this is it, if this is all life is, let's just get out of here. Life is eternal. You will see your friend again. I'm like my dad, the drunk stone you know, punching through the hall wall guy is like spiritual, like a whole portal opened. What there's life beyond death. What, what it was enough to get me off the road. And then my friends, uh, our neighbors took me to this provincial park down the road to go bike riding, just to try to cheer me up that night. As we were coming back, no shit. We're driving down the, the road in the trees, in the forest, and then open to where the, where the, we could see the lake and we could see all the cabins. Clear blue sky, Amy, two rainbows right over my cabin. And I knew it was James and I knew he was saying, I'm okay. But then those two rainbows, like a choice, I could, I don't, I could have never met him and and never felt this pain and never had to deal with any of this. Or I could have met this person, loved this person, feel this extraordinary pain and learn to keep my heart open in the face of pain and keep going. Yeah. And you know, all these decades later, my, my courses are called things like heart splayed wide open. Mm-hmm. My partnering app is called heart mates. Mm-hmm. So that experience taught me that we, if we keep our heart open, we can't control shit. We can't control if they're going to reject us. We can't control if they're going to die, mm-hmm. but we can control our heart and on the inside. And we can alchemize this pain into courage, into bravery, into surrender, into perseverance or resilience, or some of the best songs you've ever heard came from a heartbreak or some of the most incredible art you've ever seen at a museum came from, you know, devastation. We can, we can alchemize this pain, but only if we keep our heart open. So back to your question with vulnerability and intimacy, you can't, you're going to, I guess the thing you're going to get hurt. Like how many times has, you know, Mr. Smith hurt you knowingly or unknowingly consciously or unconsciously and and vice versa. Like that's a relationship. You're going to get hurt. You come on a, in a body on a planet, even though you're a spirit in a body, you're going to get hurt. So the sooner we get over the fantasy that there's actually some way of being where I won't get hurt. That's just bullshit. It's not about that. Life is equal pain and pleasure. That's science. That's duality. Life is equal challenge and support, chaos and order. That's science. It's about how can I keep my heart open and lean into the pain and become more of who I am? And how, when it is going well, can I not get attached to that and make it all so significant, which gets us off that crazy roller coaster of life. And it makes us feel brave and badass, but also humble and grateful. 
Right. You know? Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm struck by this. There's a couple of things. One is there, there was something that I've said about my relationship with Mr. Smith since gosh, since like the beginning, which is approaching like 25 years now. And I have always said the reason why I get to love this deeply and this intimately is the same reason that that man could destroy me in a heartbeat. Yeah. It's that in deep, right? It is that splayed open is that risky. Yeah. Yeah. That, and but it's the payoff. And so I use this metaphor when I'm talking with my students about the pain of this intimate discovery of self, right? Where you have to grapple with the pain of your childhood or these places of abuse or trauma. And I liken it to knowing that you have an ailment. Let's say there's something going on with your leg and you've conveniently been able to work around it. You've been ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it. Oh, it's not so bad. And you start to live your life kind of with these workarounds. And then finally the pain gets a little too intense and you're like, I have to fucking go to the doctor. So you go to the doctor and the doctor's like, okay, we've got some good news and we've got some bad news. The good news is you are going to run marathons. You're going to be able to play with your kids, your grandkids. You're going to be able to trek all over Disney world. If you want the bad news is you're going to have to go through a pretty painful surgery. And then there's going to be a fairly rigorous PT regimen after that. It's going to take months of healing and regenerating this. But on the other side of that, is a life and an experience that you have always craved and that you've been living in the shadows of for so many years. And that's exactly what happens with emotional pain. And that's usually what I see. And I'm assuming you as well, when people get to this place where it hurts too fucking much, I've got to actually see somebody. Oh, I have to stay in this pain. I have to look deeper. I have to find out about more trauma and more triggers and more shit that happened. And you're telling me that this is for a greater purpose. And yes, Yes. it is. And it's also why a majority of people just choose to not do it. Oh, yes. It takes bravery, which comes back to the whole intimacy thing. If we don't have an intimate relationship with our little one on the inside of our heart to say, hey, you're scared and I got your back. Hey, you're terrified. You're doubting that none of this is going to work out and we're going to be rejected and humiliated. And I will not leave your side. I will not forsake you. I will not abandon you. I remember being when my son, he was 15 when he'd been in, he'd been in court since he was one. I mean, I got a divorce when he was one. Well, he didn't know a life without being in court. And by 15, the only way he could figure out how to have peace was to know that mom would take the high road when he said, I'm going to live with dad. I'm going to let dad win. And I remember just being so upset that I went to a cabin in the middle of nowhere to just, I didn't know when I would stop crying. And so I honored his choice, even though I had legal and physical custody, I honored his choice and I did the inner work. And I wrote this whole list down, Amy, of like, people are going to find out and opt out and I'll, and then I'll go bankrupt and and then I'll live in a ditch or maybe I'll be a barista in Costa Rica. I'll probably die alone. Like I just went down the list of all my fears. And then I put at the beginning of the sentence, even though I might die alone. And then I put at the end of the sentence, I love and accept myself. Mm -hmm. And I just kept reading these mantras and feeling my feelings and facing all my worst case scenarios. And all of a sudden I had like this direct experience where the gravity fell out and I didn't know where I ended and the universe began. Like I had a oneness moment. The universe has been there all along, holding me, loving me, 
supporting me. I wasn't holding me, loving me, supporting me. Mm-hmm. And when I did, and I, and I call that an intimate relationship with myself. Right. When I said, even if you are the worst of the worst, I will not turn away from myself. I will not close my heart to myself. I will not abandon or criticize myself. I will sit in the fire for as long as it takes, even if that's forever. Mm-hmm. Even if it's our last breath and we're still alone. And I will, I will love you and I will accept you for who you are. That moment is a moment where you have a solid, intimate relationship with yourself, which requires tending to like a plant. You got to water it. You got to feed it, give it sunshine. You got to keep the relationship going. But then all of a sudden, Shazam, I had this oneness experience. I'm like, oh my God, I'm having an intimate relationship with life. Oh my God. Like I could penetrate you life. You could penetrate me. I don't need to wait for the bedroom. I could be sexy all the time. Oh my God. I can make love with the universe. Like all these things woke up inside of me. Like, why am I waiting to be juicy and worrying about everybody else's opinion of me. I can't even control that anyways. It's just so much freedom and deliciousness, which then allows for what you so bravely just shared with us for you to open all the way to be annihilated. If you, I assert, if you did not have your own back, you wouldn't be able to do that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And you've yeah. cultivated that capacity because you do the own inner work as well. So we're not saying open your heart to be annihilated, but then you'll be annihilated and you'll really be annihilated. It's like, no, you'll be annihilated. You'll have a tequila shot, a hot bath and a good coaching session from one of us. And it's going to be fine. And we're going <laughs> to get through it, right? Because you're cultivating this capacity to have your own back. Sovereignty, sovereignty. And I don't know, I'm not in a relationship for 25 years like you, but I imagine it's not half and half equals one. You complete me. No. Imagine it's whole and whole, one and one, but one and one doesn't even equal two. I believe when you really do the intimate work with yourself and the universe, it's one and one equals infinity. Yeah. Yeah. He awakens something in you. You awaken something in him. You're more because of this rich courage for yourself, for your marriage and for humanity. And I really believe we lightworkers, we people that are doing these podcasts and all of this, we're here to live a bigger life, make a bigger impact you know, leave the place better than we found it. So before we continue on, I wanted to ask a quick favor from you. Do you ever listen to the pod, and I think this might happen for you, where you think, damn, I really wish so-and-so could hear this. Maybe it's your coworker who could actually use a lesson or two on boundaries, or maybe it is a women's group that you're a part of where Everyone is super on board for speaking up for themselves, but nobody really knows what that really sounds like. Okay, where well, here's where you come in. I have three battle-tested and badass keynote speeches that are ready to be delivered to your company, organization, group, association. So if you, your community, or anyone you know could benefit from me rocking the mic, like who couldn't use some new tools, right? please send them over to amygreensmith.com slash speaking, where you or they can message me directly about specific needs for the audience. Shocker, the three keynotes are focused around speaking up, contending with fear, and accessing enoughness. And all three of them can be delivered either in person or virtually, and of course can be completely customized for specific audience needs. So again, simply send them to amygreensmith.com speaking, where they can get in touch with me. Because listen, it is time 
that women everywhere have the tools necessary to use their voice, take up space, and advocate for their wants, needs, and opinions, like yesterday. And if you end up orchestrating an opportunity for me to speak with your group, you will officially get unlimited squeezes from me. (laughs) And I'm sure you're all in now. And be sure to let them know that I can always temper my colorful language if needed. And thank you. Before we continue, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and you know I'm a huge fan of therapy. I like to say, if you don't think that you need therapy, then you probably need therapy. Because listen, without a healthy mind, being really, truly happy and at peace can really be a challenge. But the good news is that therapy really does work. So whatever you need help with, it is time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better, okay? Because you deserve to be happy. Here's the deal. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't even have to be on camera if you don't want to. Hello, introverts. I see you out there. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They have over 20,000 therapists in their network, which gives you way, way more options than your immediate geographical area. And it's also available for clients worldwide. Much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can start communicating with your therapist in less than 48 hours. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. In fact, a member of my family just started and totally loves it. It is always a good time to invest in yourself because you deserve it. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and the Bold Face Truth podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash bold truth. That's betterhelp.com slash bold truth or enter the code bold truth at checkout again to save 10% off your very first month. All right, let's get back to the show. At our 10-year our 10-year vow renewal ceremony, we both kind of said the same things of we, we each have, and we didn't realize this when we both wrote these kind of renewals that we would say, you know, almost the identical thing, which, which was, I love who I am in proximity to you. And I also love me. And I love who you are in proximity to everybody else that I'm not, complete because of you. Yeah. I'm complete next to you also being complete. Yes. And that's such a amazing experience to have. And, and also that he's just genuinely such an incredible person. I want everybody to know him. I want everybody to experience him for their own expansion, for their own relationships. And I think a lot of that also comes with dismantling these notions of what create our, our, our identity. And Mm -hmm. we get a lot of messaging, especially for women that you are going to be saved by a man, right? It's also very much in a binary, a heteronormative context. You're going to be saved that you need to give and give and give that you, that there's such this masculine, feminine, you know, binary. And And I think it's also dangerous because we've 
culturally set up this thing where a woman's worth was all about her marital status. It was all about if you were partnered or not so much so that we still have these really archaic things in place, like wearing a white dress to symbolize your purity, which is fucking ridiculous or being given away by a, by a man taking your father's name, like all of these things or even having to delineate Mrs. versus miss to, because we need to know if you're eligible because that's your worth as a woman. Mm. So this has gone a totally different direction than I originally thought we were going to talk about, but I love it. Talk to me about unlearning some of the cultural narratives of like, I need to have this in order to be happy. Mm. I must be partnered. Or I've, I've heard you talk about this too the glorification of tenured relationships when you can actually learn a lot from multiple relationships. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I really believed that not only would I be worthy, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be able to be happy right. until I'd found the one. And the fun thing is I was right, but the one isn't out there. The one is right here. Yes. <laughs> the one is me. Right. So um, absolutely. And, and with the shame of, you know, two divorces and and now I'm 52 and my last relationship was only like 11 months and that failed too. Like it's a point of view, but the other point of view that I think is far more empowering is look how much I learned and grew every single time. I'm grateful for all of those relationships. And there are many people that I meet who've been married for decades and I can't stand being around them. And I can't stand listening to the way they are so <laughs> passive aggressive to each other. And they're both terrified to be out on their own and they use each other. But I feel I'm growing right alongside the two of you growing. You're growing in a relationship. I'm growing with multiple relationships, but I, I dive in and I give it all I've got every single time. And so give ourselves permission to let go of that identity into a higher vibrating identity. Something I want to talk about identities. I never knew this. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nerd. I just keep studying. I keep getting the next certification all the time. But I always had it that the problem is, the block is, the issue is the emotional trigger, the unresolved trauma, which is true. That's the energy. But what caused that? What's locked in that keeps repeating? I keep attracting emotionally unavailable partners. I keep attracting cheaters. I can't seem to get rid of these 50 pounds. Like what is the core that is keeping that going on after that initial trauma or trigger? It's the identity we put in place to survive. These defense mechanisms that you talked about. We are not our identity. We have identities. We have thoughts. We have emotions. We have a body, but we are so much more. Who's the one that's aware of the identity? That's the you, the one who's aware of it. Mm -hmm. So that one who's aware can choose again. And I don't know about your processes, but I've been trained in all these different processes to literally acknowledge, because to me, until that part of you feels safe and seen and heard, like I love and accept you, like that little inner you work, they're not going to change. You just want me to change. Well, fuck you. I'm hurt. I'm scared. I'm mad. I'm ashamed. I'm terrified. I'm all that. So you got to acknowledge this identity first. It needs something. It's not doing it to try to make you suffer. It needs safety. It needs love. It needs approval. It needs protection. It needs something. If you could acknowledge that and give it that, but that's later, but acknowledge it first because it believes something and it might be batshit crazy and it's not all of you, but it's just an identity. This identity believes all men will eventually hurt me. 
Yes. All women are gold diggers that my, I will always be taken advantage of like a piece of meat and never cherished with devotion and made love to like a goddess, whatever you're the belief, this identity is stuck in place because it needs something and it believes something and you can't make it wrong and judge it to change it because what you resist persists, but you can acknowledge it, understand it. And then through that, invite it, the, the, the observer part of you, what if that identity vanished into thin air? Let's just get curious. What bad things might happen? Oh, well, then I'll get taken advantage of and, da, 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 da. and I go, okay, that's, that's possible. But if this identity vanished, the beliefs would vanish too. It's a blank slate. Mm-hmm. And I will give you all that you need. You need love. I'll give you love. You need safety. I'll protect you. And now our beliefs are a blank slate. What would we like to create? What identity would we like to create? Right. And what good could happen? What could you stand to gain? What and what beliefs would would make that so? What new point of view about life could you create? So you literally can, people, the core identity that's causing these emotional triggers to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. That core identity can be changed. Mm-hmm. And then you get to create who you choose to be. And then you create your goals from there and you create a new set of beliefs. And the brain doesn't know the difference. Right. The brain doesn't know the difference. And quite often coming out of the head of all the fears down into the heart, it's even more than a belief. It's a knowing. Mm-hmm. I am that I am. Mm-hmm. Like some really profound shit will come out of your mouth when you really drop down into your heart, into your, uh, into your soul. I'm reminded of the, you know, the concept around how our, how our minds work. And you can look at this through a lot of neuroscience or um, concepts around the subconscious versus the conscious. And we talk about that a lot with the hypnotic modality. We do that in EFT or NLP, all sorts of different things. Sure. And, and what's really interesting that we don't realize is, you know, about, about, it depends who you talk to the conscious mind is roughly five to 12% of the mind's power. And that's our logic, our reason, our rationale, you know, process, like logically, I understand that I'm picking these wrong partners, but why, you know, I understand it, but why is nothing changing? And then we have this other like 88 to 95%, which is the subconscious faculty that's running the show. And those are our beliefs our values, our fight flight response. So to come back to your example earlier with your dad punching a hole in the wall, you developed this belief early on that men are not safe or whatever, however, or men cannot be trusted. So that becomes a positive association in the mind. So it is, if I uh, abide by this belief, I stay safe. Yeah. And so that means I search out things like that because it's congruent with my belief system. It doesn't matter what's logical. It doesn't matter. That's why we have those friends who were like, fuck, I've told you so many times, don't do this. It doesn't matter because they're computing it with their logic and reason. Yeah, It's about shifting what's happening in that subconscious, which are these various elements of identity. It's your yeah. inner child. It's really conversing and saying like, Hey, listen, of course you're fucking scared. We're trying to carve out a new neural pathway that says men are safe. That registers in the brain 
as like abort mission, abort mission. That is no, no, no. All we know is how to think that they're not trustworthy. That's where we feel safe. (laughs) And wait, what do you mean? I can, I can be adored and I can be respected and I can be thought of as, you know, a whole complete person, even though I'm single, that feels like an unsafe thought. Yeah. So your biology, your mind is like working to keep you congruent. So the solution then is that, at least this is in my opinion, is that we tackle it from both parts of the mind, that we're doing subconscious work and conscious work to create that congruent belief that is a, a, we're aware of it on all levels. Yeah. Yes. And it's beautiful. I'm just thinking of my group coaching call last night. And one woman, when she came to me, she said, I'm going to hire you because you're like, you're somehow feminine and, but you're badass because I need to be safe and I need you to be badass. But I really understand that I'm attracting, you know, it was another divorce like mine and you've had two divorces. And so have I, so you won't judge me. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's do this. And so we've worked together for several years now, and it's amazing to see letting go of the, the, like even getting a divorce. Sometimes you're just stuck in the mire of can't even get a divorce because you're Right. That belief will keep it, keep it going. And then dating somebody phenomenal. And then she was really into it before. And she's amazing at what she does. She's a voiceover artist. Now she's had over a thousand interviews. It was the uh, celebration of a thousand interviews and charging more than she's at. She's so happy. And she's just, her voice is starting <laughs> and it comes through her open heart. And you can just feel the velvety resonance resonance of the work she's done. Yes. It's a new career. But it's like the energy, the reason why she's kicking ass at it is she's home in her body. She's integrated these old identities. She's forgiven herself and others. She's allowing this life force energy to pulsate through her in her genius. So it could be anything, but it was so wonderful to celebrate her last night. And, and we were doing all these visionings and, and the certainty and the unattachment, all these incredible superpowers that are coming through her. Because yeah, the first year, year and a half was not fun. Right. And it it really, it was like deep dives all the time. She goes, when is this going to get better? And I yeah. said, well, imagine you're at the kitchen sink and, and there's a frying pan and it's got a lot of like burnt, like layers of burnt. It's going to take that, you know, the scratchy thing, you know, yeah. the SOS pad. Yep. And that's going to get really ugly. It's going to get really gross and everything. And then we're going to rinse it and it's going to be clean. And yes, we'll still need to maintain it. And, yep. you know, cause we'll still cook from time to time, but, but it's, that's the process. And she's like, it's true. It's happening. <laughs> and I was, oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. And as you said earlier, not everybody has the courage or bravery to go through the process where they do abort, you know, when they're, when they're still in the pain, which is why I think the power of coaching and a group, a community is so important because it's not for the faint of heart to do this right. deep work. And yet, my God, the richness of a life, knowing that come what may, maybe I'll have a a bad night or two, but come what may, I know how to open my heart in the face of anything. I know how to keep going. I know how to connect with myself and source and create the life of my dreams or better. Like this is real and possible. And I, I really think too, there, there are plenty of folks in my life who, who haven't chosen that path. And, and I really feel like kind of in a, from a hippie spiritual perspective that maybe that's not their path this lifetime, you know, and maybe it's a different lesson and maybe 
who knows what happens, but maybe we cross over and then we choose a different, a different set of circumstances. So I don't, I certainly don't want to project out there that you're wrong. If you're not ready to, you know, jump in or do the deep work, it's, it really is a hundred percent your call, your choice. And one of the things I tell my students all the time is like, you have agency over how, how much is too much. So I do think that we get to a point sometimes where we need to tap out a personal development. I'm sick of taking the fucking high road. I don't want to dig into this any deeper. I cannot assess. I can't, I don't want to use a tool. And sometimes we have to tap out. Sometimes I do where I'm like, nope, no, no personal development for today. (laughs) And I just, you know, give myself a little, I call it the human hall pass. Like, let it just, let it just go for a second. Yeah. Because we all reach our utility at some point where it's like, it's no longer helping. It's like when you're studying super late at night and you can't retain anything else and just, just, okay. Some, some time to tap out a little bit. So no judgment out there, no matter, you know, where you are in your journey, but I cannot thank you enough. I cannot believe it. We're already at time, but um, I'm assuming you've got a nice full charge on that vibrator so you can get back to business. <laughs> yes, I definitely, definitely do. Um, I love what you said, just to reiterate back what you were saying. If I look back um, at, I'm making this shit up, right? But if I look back at my past thousand lives, if I just took a, like a little bit of a step from my perspective now, but in that life, that little step was everything, right? So who, who am I to say, you know, where they are on their evolutionary journey, what looks like from my point of view, given this lifetime for me might be a small step for them. It could be, it could be huge. And I really imagine that it's taken me thousands of lifetimes to get the courage to go through what I'm going through now and learn and grow and teach and and give. So, um, so yes, just, I think intimacy with self really comes back to worth and accomplishments, uncollapse them. Accomplishments come and go, money comes and go, achievements come and go, how much personal growth we do do comes and goes, but our worth is inherent Mm -hmm. and our intimate relationship with ourself. That's that's inherent. I am that I am. If, if neither of us did another podcast, wrote another book or helped another client, we're enough. Mm-hmm. We're enough. We've made a difference. I know you've had the brilliant, brilliant fortune to interview Alanis Morissette. And yeah. I'm a huge, huge fan. I actually just yeah. caught her in concert this past summer. Nice. And there's a great song that she has called that I would be good. And it's basically this whole concept of that. I would be good. Even if I did nothing that I would be good, even if I gained 10 pounds, that I would be good. If I lost my hair and my youth, Yes, it's all of these ways that we collapse who we are into our self-worth, you know, or these external elements, our identities. Mm. And we go, I'm nothing unless I have these things. But when we strip that all the way, that's really where, what self-worth is about is that mm. I am worthy, that I would be good. Mm. Even if nobody loved me, that doesn't yeah. have, you know, that it, there's, yeah. So I, I really appreciate everything that you're sharing and I'm so glad that you were able to 
to answer and pick up the phone and we got to connect and please tell everybody where can they learn more about you? Where do they hang out? Where do you hang out the most? And oh my God, please talk about HeartMates. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, do reels all the time. Uh, uh, quotes all the time. YouTube, I answer people's questions twice a week. So you can ask a question and I will respond there. Uh, podcasts with amazing guests like yourself. Um, hundreds of episodes there. There's a, a quiz on our site, an intimacy blind spot assessment, which I think is really important because with intimacy, uh, as you were saying, how much of our mind is conscious, the solution isn't conscious or we would have figured it out. It's unconscious. It's subconscious. So this quiz helps you to see that we also have intimacy blind spot assessment calls uh, with my intimacy success advisor as well, who gives tremendous value in pulling, pulling back the veil of what's really going on. And then you can take action. Um, and then heartmates. Yeah. Heartmates is the dating portion of heartmates is in beta and the intimacy training and the conscious connection calls parts of heartmates is live. You can join now, but I basically started this because dating apps are designed to keep us single. Mm -hmm. They make money when we fail at love, when we don't learn to communicate, when we don't learn how to heal the past, when we don't learn how to integrate our emotional wounds, when we don't learn how to have an intimate relationship with ourselves. And so um, my, I just was sick and tired of clients saying, okay, I'm like three weeks in and he's ghosted me. I'm three months in and, and she's married. Like, where are the people that are willing to actually do the work and understand that relationships require bravery? And healthy communication. Where are they? And I said, I don't know. I will create it. And so that's what, heart, that's what HeartMates is. It's the world's first partnering app. We're not calling it a dating app. But we're calling it a partnering app because you partner with yourself. You become the one. And then that's a vibration to find the one. And we teach you the skills to keep the one and thrive with the one. So there's the training. There's the live communication calls. And then soon the dating portion will be live. But you can go to heartmates.app and, uh, and learn more about it. And join our amazing community. And uh, yeah, it's a wonderful, I, I, I choose to change the way we do love, yes. the way we find love. Yeah. Oh, that is so incredibly needed. And I cannot think of anybody better to spearhead it, truly. Oh, thank so you, sweetheart. I am thrilled for that. And because it's something that I do not do really at all, please, you all go check this mm -hmm. out, yeah. dig in deep when, when folks are like, Oh, I, I really want to manifest my soulmate. I'm like, well, I've got a handful of things, but you need to go see, see somebody else who specializes in this. And, and you are definitely mm -hmm. at the top of my list. So Thanks thank so you much. for picking up. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably and openly and just for, for being who you are. Mm, and thank you for your friendship uh, over a decade. Like, I think we're aging backwards. I love that. <laughs> and I, um, and deepening and richening like a fine wine. Yeah. I'm so happy to know you and love you. Thank you for calling. Aww. Thank you for calling. And now I'm going to have a really great orgasm and celebrate <laughs> this wonderful conversation. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, cheers to you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Okay, Bye. much love. Bye.
Well, there you have it. Alana is always such a joy. Please be sure to check out all of the show notes so you so you can find her, connect with her, see her all over YouTube, find out more about her Heartmates app, which is just so incredibly needed. And I would love for you to swing over to Instagram. You can find me under the handle at HeyAmyGreenSmith and find the meme for this episode and share with me what your biggest takeaway was. You'll easily be able to find uh, the podcast meme and just share with me what did you end up walking away with? What are some of the things that maybe you viewed intimacy as that kind of shook you up a little bit after our discussion today? We are wrapping up. As I mentioned at the very top of the show, we're wrapping up our series on manifesting and intimate partnerships. So if you haven't gotten to go back through the last three episodes. This is the fourth one. We've talked about all things from intimacy, obviously, to attachment styles, to love addiction, all sorts of different things. And I do think that there are really great tangible nuggets for you. So please be sure to catch the rest of the episodes in the series. Next week, we're going to be starting something completely new that I do so hope you will tune in for. And until then, I will see you around these parts next week. And please remember, you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and speak the bold-faced truth. Peace. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves and if you do I will give you a mini pig just kidding but I will be so very incredibly grateful okay thank you bye